It is fiscal policy, the character of a government spending and taxation, that provides the context for monetary policy. Fiscal policies clearly have an additional significance in times of war, but in the modern welfare state government spending plays just as central a role in the lives of most citizens. This fact establishes what may be termed the primacy of fiscal policy, and is a reason why much of the political debate in Western democracies is centred on the nature of public spending. How much should be spent? How much should the government borrow? What should the government spend this money on? What tax levels are best suited to maximising government income? By contrast, monetary debates regarding levels of interest rates and, even more technically, quantities of money which should be injected into the economy tend to be the preserve of a specialist cadre of central bankers and, occasionally, politicians who have arrogated to themselves the responsibility in such matters. The historic record on what I call the primacy of fiscal policy is clear. It was under pressure to defend militarily their vast dominions that the Habsburgs of Spain promoted gold and silver exploration in the New World. It was under pressure to finance the Nine Years' War, which lasted from 1688 to 1697, that William III's government established the Bank of England. John Law's fantastic scheme of paper money was a failed attempt to convert French government debt into equity. Law was attempting to restore France's public finances after two decades of war. Similarly, the pressures of revolutionary wars forced both the Americans and the French to issue paper money in unprecedented amounts. The British suspended gold payments in 1797 under pressure of war. It is often forgotten that it was only after these experiments in paper money during the 18th century that the famous stability of the gold standard was reached. The gold standard, itself a symbol of permanence and immutability, was developed after the relative chaos generated by the paper currencies of the American and French revolutions and the suspension of gold payments by the Bank of England. The gold standard seemed to contemporaries and supporters a simple, almost natural idea, an expression of the spontaneous order of the free market system. Yet the almost universal adoption of the gold standard at the end of the 19th century is an excellent example of the dictum uttered by the great British legal historian F. W. Maitland. Simplicity is the outcome of technical subtlety. It is the goal, not the starting point. The apparent ease and simplicity with which the gold standard was believed to operate marked the end and not the beginning of a process which had evolved over two hundred years. It was a world war which first overturned the certainties of the 19th century gold standard. Governments under the immense pressure of unprecedented industrialised warfare were forced to spend colossal quantities of money. These sums of money were found by borrowing and printing money. Gold payments were suspended, the gold standard was put to one side, as governments borrowed ever greater sums and issued paper money. A partial result of all this paper money was a hyperinflation in Germany in the 1920s, which even today symbolises the chaos of runaway inflation and continues to influence German politicians and the German people.